Benzinga's Cannabis Capital Conference returns to Miami Beach on April 11th and 12th. I may be biased, but I'm telling you this event is a can't miss. Join us to build the foundation of your next game-changing deal with CEOs and decision makers from leading companies in the industry. We're talking about the next wave of businesses, strategies from the most profitable businesses, and exactly what investors are looking for in a challenging market. Go to bzcannabis.com to meet your next investor, co-founder, and new friends. A little pro tip from me, right now tickets are $1,000 cheaper than prices at the door. Get yours now. Ooh, it's Tuesday. What's up, Avi? What's up, friends? Welcome in. This is Benzinga's Cannabis Insider back with a fiery passion here to chat about some news. Javi, what's up, man? Yes, sir. What's up? What's up? What's up? Well, as you can see, I'm in a different location. Power yeah. went out at my place today. It's 100 degrees here. So it's hot in the city and people are you know, like just blasting their ACs. Yeah. But we are ready, notwithstanding, to discuss some cannabis news. Are we Dude. not? Yeah. You, you know what? Like, I, like I, I forgot to sign up for my gym tonight. And I feel like my gym's going to be mad at me when I just show up and I didn't sign up for the class. I don't know if you guys can relate to that, but like I'm kind of stressed out about it right now. Um, anyways, maybe I need some cannabis. But that being said, Javi, you have some interesting news today. We have an exciting guest. He's been on a couple times before. Our good friend Patrick Rea with Poseidon Asset Management. Those guys are OGs. They're super knowledgeable in the space. He had an amazing conversation that we're going to hear a lot about. Some updates on what investors are thinking about when it comes to cannabis right now. This is going to be a must see must listen to interview i'm thrilled about it but first i I, i'm just as excited as i can be to hear from the argentinian action figure himself dude what's happening it's valentine's day and i just want to say on on air live i love you i love love producer aaron thomas i love benzinga but javi you're the man i heart you I'm gonna let Stop you get us started, brother. <laughs> so, okay, you, you were, you were, you know, before the show, you were asking about this new study that reveals how CBD counters epileptic seizures, right? And, and this was a, a study led by researchers at NYU Grossman School of Medicine. And what, the, of course, we we already knew, right, that that CBD and cannabis in general helps with 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 seizures. Uh, especially in, in, in pediatric settings, for especially for treatment-resistant uh, epilepsy, for instance, right, or, or refractory epilepsy. Uh, uh, even you know the first um, official medication, pharma drug that contained or was derived from cannabinoids uh, that was ever approved by a government agency like the FDA was, in fact, Epidiolex, which targeted. Mm-hmm seizures of this kind and they're but just suing new- everybody right now for it <laughs> everybody's getting sued i think i'm getting sued by jazz pharmaceuticals anyway go ahead <laughs> that is funny <laughs> so you know they the they, what, what they discovered is there is there, there was a previously in no way in which cbd uh affected uh, this uh, this this mechanism right there's um this so they found that cbd block signals carried by the lpi molecule right uh, found in our neurons, LPI is thought to amplify nerve signals as part of normal function, but can, can be hijacked by disease to promote seizures, right? This new uh, work that was uh, published only a couple of days ago, actually yesterday in Neuron, a uh, scientific publication, confirmed 
that CBD blocks the ability of this LPI molecule to amplify nerve signals in a brain region called the hippocampus. So very, very interesting uh, stuff. And, and of course, you know, the, the author of the report, Richard Sian, uh, said our results deepen the field's understanding of a central seizure-inducing uh, mechanism with many implications for the pursuit of new treatment approaches. So very excited about what could be next for CBD epilepsy and especially CBD for epilepsy in kids, which for quite a while was pretty um, controversial. But then we had things like Charlotte Figge or We the People to educate us and normalize the use of non-intoxicating cannabinoids. Mm -hmm. I love this, man. I have a family member um, that suffers from epilepsy and, and, you know, occasionally seizures. And it's a horrifying, uh, it's a horrifying illness. It, it truly is. So this is wonderful news. Thank you for enlightening us on this hobby. I just want to shift tone a little bit here, not to, to you know, take away from the seriousness of the conversation, really? but you didn't have this news item before. So uh, I want your, your honest, genuine reaction at some of this. So uh, as we said, happy Valentine's day, but what type of weed y'all, if you are consuming weed, what are you consuming tonight? I I'm curious. Did you have something in mind that like, Oh, it's Valentine's day. I got to do this. I'm going to smoke this. I'm going to consume this with my significant other or just by yourself. Cause you're a boss. Either way is totally fine. Happy Valentine's Day to you for whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But that being said, um, this actually uh, article from the Green Market Report, um, they posted the demand on products with Valentine themes uh, has really spiked <laughs> over the past few weeks. Now, love, and they, they had to be on the label. So these themes, themed words on the label. So love, uh, products with the word love in it is up 247% over the last three weeks. Product with the word arousal, was up 220% over the last several weeks. I love that. Uh, we know what people are doing yep. today. Well, it gets better. Product with the word sex was up 300% over the last few weeks. And then we're just hitting it right on the nose here. Product with the word Valentine was up 4,843% over the last few weeks. Some awesome data uh, from Deb and her team over there. Uh, and LeafLink, of course, thank you for providing that. But y'all are really steering into this skit, this, uh, this skit of uh, weed for love here. <laughs> I, was, I was doing some quick math and realized uh, probably a bunch of, of stoner babies will be born around my birthday in November. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god javi that's hysterical dude um well you know you're just increasing i feel like valentine's day is just it's a scam uh by those people in november <laughs> to get more babies born in november right that, that that's what hilarious. that's just what we're gonna say here anyways what else we got a few more minutes here before we're gonna bring patrick over who's way smarter and cooler than yeah. us but let's hear about what two else is happening headlines two quick headlines to keep it light one one i don't know if you caught a uh, very, very funny comedian, Chelsea Handler, who is, of course, a, an, a vocal advocate for cannabis. I spoke to her on, on several occasions. She is fantastic. Very funny. She had been uh, guest hosting The Daily Show for the entirety of last week, and she admitted she was a little bit too high for it. Yes. <laughs> and All right, you could tell. I, I loved it. I, I, I was, like, so vibing in the same wavelength. <laughs> I saw the one she did before the State of the Union. Uh, or after the State of the Union, I don't know, leading up to the State of the Union, and she was roasting everybody. 
it was awesome. If that's really what she's like, hi. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm here for I'll it. I'll take it. Here And for another it. one. Very cool. This is official. It's finally official. We're getting a sequel to Mac and Devin go to high school. This was confirmed by none other than Mr. Snoop Doggy Dog and Wiz Khalifa on Instagram. Very oh, excited about that one. Did you see the original God. movie? I have no idea what you're talking about right now. Ooh, <laughs> you're lost. I apparently I'm going to go watch this tonight. My wife is going to hate me, but this is going to be what we're going to be doing for Valentine's Day. Uh, So (laughs) there it is. But that that's awesome, man. Uh, You know, some quick stock updates since this is, you know, partially what we're here for. YCBD (laughs) pretty, I don't know. I want to say a pretty mixed day for them. Obviously it didn't, it respected, you know, it reflected more negatively in in the markets. Uh, Pretty not so great earnings. I'm trying to be politically correct here, Uh, but they did get a million dollars in cash from uh, a successful closing of the SPAC that they were involved in. So all in all, a mixed day. Uh, we'll say that. And S&DL. Uh, Stock they- down 8%. Wait, wait, wait. Stock down 8%. Sales yeah. down 35%. Uh, net sales down 22%. Javi will do uh, it. Javi's like, whoa, whoa, year. wait, wait. We're going to go through this. I don't care. Yeah, no, no, man. <laughs> <laughs> the only, the only positive one that I saw was a growth, pro, uh, growth profit margin, which rose to 59% versus 54% for the comparable period. Uh, even though the growth profit was a little bit slow, uh, a smaller, I think you know that shows a little bit of improvement on that front. Go to SNDL, please, and it's uh, yeah. more bad news. It is more bad news, but it's not wholly unexpected. This one, you know, and I'm not saying like we should expect layoffs. I actually think that is the part of this where it's like, uh, you know, but but when it comes to right sizing, and when you ever go through an acquisition, you never just keep all the assets. That's not reality. That's not real life. But I don't think anybody was expecting that they were going to close a whole facility, um, you know, in, in in Alberta. They're one of their mm-hmm. their larger ones, if I'm not mistaken. So laid off 85 yeah. employees. Um, that being said, when it comes to being a shareholder of this company and looking at the the kind of efficiency that Valens Assets provides them, this is something that ideally will be a benefit to their balance sheet in the long run. But I don't think you should ever overlook, um, you know, the the importance of a, of a career, uh, you know, being lost or, or being transitioned like that. So all in all, it's not, not yeah. great update. Not, 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 a, not, no, a, not, but it's, it's honestly, to be fair. And here's the only thing I'm going to say, you know, regarding this is to be fair, canopy growth, CGC, laying off a bunch of people, cool relief, C-U-R-L-F, yeah, uh, it's warning like 47 throughout employees. the space, still rate TLRY, 50 employees laid off in Portugal, Columbia Care, 73 employees, LeafLink, 80 workers, we map technologies, uh, that's 175. I mean, just like truly, we don't even know how many it's, it seems to be industry-wide. Um, yeah, it, it is. And I think yeah, a lot of these companies expanded way too quick. You know, some of them right-sized earlier. Some of them are doing it now. Um, but, I mean, like, do we really expect Curaleaf to stay out of California? No. You know, but it, it's going to be one of those things where these companies have to take a step back in order to take a step forward. Um, and, unfortunately, a lot of people are caught in the crossfire there. That being said, Javi, anything else you want to say? News? Any other news change agent? What's up, my friend? Welcome I'm back. Ready. Y'all, if you're watching, drop a comment in the chat. We're going to have an awesome interview here for you. Really pumped about it. Uh, Javi, if nothing else, shall we? Let's do it. Let's bring over Patrick Rea, Poseidon Asset Management. 
Aaron, Aaron Thomas. Come on, man. You know, you, you deserve better than that, Patrick. We got to get you the, the full on guest intro, man. Um, but Patrick, how are you doing today, my brother? I'm great. How are you? Glad to be here. Yeah. Good to have you back. I'm loving the world map. Are you planning world domination behind you? Yeah, just uh, here in Boulder, Colorado. That's exactly what we're doing here. <laughs> we're ter- being terrible radio right now for our podcast listeners. Uh, but that being said, Patrick, can you just give us a quick 30-second boilerplate of Poseidon before we dive in here? Yeah, Poseidon is a uh, very active investor in the cannabis industry. Uh, we've been uh, investing in the investable cannabis industry probably since 2013, 2014 time over 160 investments, multiple funds, including the uh, PSDN ETF. Um, and I manage the uh, Garden Fund, which is an early stage investment fund. Interesting. Now, you, now I, I don't want to jump in, Javier, if you have anything you want to ask before we dive in. Okay. Uh, so you, uh, <laughs> I also want to ask about LeafLink, but we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, you had an interesting conversation recently yeah. a lot of investors in the space so can you just preface that before we dive into what you talked about yeah sure sure so at Poseidon we're tracking about 50 private investment funds that are investing in private cannabis companies um, about 25 are active and uh, over so since like the second week of January I've been calling the fund managers uh, and asking them What's going on now that SAFE didn't pass? What's the expectations for the industry? Do you have any deal flow? What's going on? And um, you know, I did that over the last month or so. And like I said earlier, I sat down on a Saturday with a triple espresso and then uh, downloaded all my thoughts into an article, which is coming out soon. But I also put something up on Twitter, a bit of a tweet storm that uh, kind of went viral. So I guess that's what we're talking about here. Awesome. Yeah. One. No. Are we bringing that up or not yet? No. Yeah, no, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm bringing it up. If you want to, you can, anyone who wants to, you can go search my name at Patrick Ray, P-A-T-R-I-C-K-R-E-A on Twitter and you'll find it. Um, it's, uh, it's about 22 tweets long uh, and it, uh, it seems to, uh, it seems to have uh, caught everybody's attention or some people's attention. What are some of the main conclusions that you, you, you drew from, from these conversations? And not to spoil, of course, the article or the, twi- uh, the Twitter thread, but like some high-level stuff that you can share. Oh, Javi, for you, I'll tell you everything. All right. So, you know, safe not passing changed, uh, again, uh, part of the calculus of, calculus of investing in cannabis. It was a bit of a momentum killer when it failed to pass, and the message was pretty clear that federal action on cannabis legalization here in the United States should not be expected anytime soon. Um, you know, this is confirmed by the Marijuana Policy Project and one of the industry leading uh, law firms and advocacy firms, Vicente Sierberg, who have specifically stated that they don't expect any movement on federal legalization in DC for the next two years. And thus they are focusing on legalizing adult use in 10 states in the next three years. Uh, it's a campaign. Um, so, you know, SAFE kind of mesmerized a lot of founders and investors in Q4. Even some investors said they didn't look at any new deals. So now we have a ton of deals coming to the market now that it didn't pass. And um, we're finding out uh, what that means. And what that means primarily is uh, when it comes to valuations, flat is the new up. And if you want an up valuation from your last round, it's going to come at a cost. 
Um, even companies that are growing in the technology cannabis tech space two to five times since the last time they raised their 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 last capital, they're raising flat rounds. Licensed operators struggling to raise any capital at all, no matter how many licenses are out there, um, unless it's a very strictly limited license state. Uh, there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there with offerings that are not getting funded. Um, yeah. A quick follow up on this, right? And I was just thinking about this, right? You know, you, you mentioned how, you know, safe and not, not passing meant a lot of companies had to readjust their plans, right? And this is something I, I've been thinking about for a few years now. It's like every time a company told me, you know, we're, we're counting on safe passing, mm. uh, how smart is it to build a business plan around a contingency that may or may not happen, right? I always was like, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's smart to plan for safe passing. Shouldn't you be building a business assuming that the scenario is the status quo until it changes? Yeah. I mean, this, not to not plan for contingencies, right? But, yeah. I mean, I think I think planning on something happening that is out of your control when you're a, an entrepreneur is probably not a good thing. You know, you don't want to bet on that race, one that you can't have an effect on. Um So I agree with you, Javi, on that. Um, I think also that, um, you know, that was a thesis. The promise of federal legalization was a thesis for investors and entrepreneurs since 2013, 14 time when I joined the industry. You know, what we've seen is that not happen. As a result, we haven't seen the exits or the acquisitions um, of companies outside the cannabis industry buying in, right? It's not really selling out, uh, but buying in and wanting to be part of what's going on here. So absent of those exits, it's hard for investors and even entrepreneurs to point to um, valuation multiples beyond what we've seen, which is companies trading hands inside the cannabis industry primarily. And when that happens, you know, no one's paying enormous premium. At least they won't be for very long. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Javi, you have any more? All right, so a couple of questions for me. Um, the next big potential catalyst, but I, you know, I, I love your input here. There are other catalysts that maybe we can look to that we've looked to, you know, leading up till now being the state openings and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, business valuations there. And there are some promising and interesting ones that, to, to monitor. Obviously not enough for larger investors to get in and more, you know, mainstream institutions totally understood but is the next big catalyst potentially um the re or descheduling and do you have any potential thoughts on i don't need a crystal ball here but um what that might look like whether yeah. it's our descheduling or whether it's to to schedule three you know that that's been a subject of debate more so now that safe did not pass But that's been a subject of debate for a very long time. And if I'm being honest, we haven't seen a whole lot of movement there. Um, what have we learned? We have learned that the executive branch of the U.S. government is not going out of their way for the cannabis industry. We're learning that the legislative branch uh, has too many things that they're trying to figure out and has not prioritized it. And maybe there is a third path uh, through the judiciary Um, for, you know, the industry to work with associations who have standing and push uh, on that branch of 
the the U.S. federal government to see some action. But and we've we've heard some rumblings. There have been some talk about you know uh, taking a legal approach, um, but you know I just don't have a whole lot of confidence right now. And and I, it sounds like the experts don't as well that there is a lot of hope um, to be placed in that uh, descheduling conversation. Absent. I will say that, you know, I've been in this industry for a long time and what I constantly remind myself and others of is that what we think we know now changes tomorrow. We need to be ready for any eventuality. I mean, we referenced it earlier, but GW is suing everybody that is infringing upon their IP. Can they just go ahead and add the federal government to to that (laughs) and just go ahead and sue them for us? Yeah, I don't, you know, an important issue is standing and making (laughs) sure there, but uh, they certainly could. That's God bless America. You can sue almost anybody. (laughs) That's true. So file any lawsuit, but uh, getting anywhere with it is, is, is what we're really talking about here because I think the industry's, you know, a little fed up with the nice words and the long conversations and the promises and let's see some action. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. as an investor, right, you look at pitches, you look Mm -hmm. at, at, at companies trying to break in, trying to get ahead, trying to get the valuation they feel they deserve. Yeah. You, you know, talk to me about how you're looking at the value of these companies and maybe how, you know, we can reference the conversation you had with these VCs. Mm-hmm. But I mean, do we really expect, you know, when we do go federally legal in two, 22 or 102 years, is this our are they going to be looking at these MSOs and these asset heavy models as, as the way in to these States? And obviously that depends on how they roll it out, whether it's the Nancy Mace bill or, or the Chuck Schumer bill. Um, but I'm just curious, do, is it, are the brands going to start to become more important uh, and more asset light strategy? You know, what I'd say is that anybody who answers that question with full confidence doesn't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Right. Because I think, you know, anybody who's in the, in the space for a long time has been humbled at the face of the industry. Right. Uh, by the, you know, lack of progress or the changes of business models or the changes in our understanding of what we are allowed to do and what we're not allowed to do. Um, case in point, one of the things that we heard from a lot of investors was a movement towards the payments in the industry to help um save some of these technology companies from going out and having to raise a down round uh, capital with onerous terms or some sort of structure uh, that that impacts them or their employees uh, shares. So they're utilizing payments and the transaction that, you know, the little bit that they can take from every transaction, maybe it's a dollar, maybe it's a dollar 50 from every transaction at a dispensary and, you know, essentially turn that into turn their business from a money losing endeavor into a profitable endeavor in a few months. So I think we're seeing a lot of innovation absent of federal legalization. Um, I just don't see many, if any, founders uh, pitching or building business models around federal and expectation of federal legalization. I think uh, the investor communities over it, and I think the experienced folks in the industry realize that it's uh, something they just can't rely on. Agreed. You know, uh, changing subjects a little bit. Um, I was uh, a guest on a Seeking Alpha podcast the other day, and, and one of the guests, um, am I too too low? I was no, you're good. Too relaxed, maybe. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, just like you know, adjusting the ear pause, and I was like, yeah, man, I'm just like too relaxed right now. So 
Um, I was in this podcast on, on Seeking Alpha. Big shout out to Rena Sherbel for an amazing podcast that she hosts, and I'm sure you've been a guest on. And one of the other guests, uh, you know, said uh, PSDN is their favorite um, ETF, right? And when we went into why, right, they, they, they talked about how active the, the, the management style is, but also how, and this is a part that I found particularly interesting, how you're hedging against the volatility of the industry right now. And he said, okay, like there's, for instance, some, some black rock bombs, right? Is, is this correct? Can you elaborate a little bit in, into that strategy? Why, you know, a lot of the, the ETF holders or issuers out there and people who talk about ETFs always criticize other ETFs. So, oh no, this one is invested in tobacco as well. This is not a pure play cannabis, right? So what goes into your strategy? And, and uh, you know, on, on that front. Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, any curious investor can go and dive in and understand, you know, the leverage and um, the structure and the companies and the positions and look back at the trading history and make their own decisions. What I can say is that, you know, the Poseidon team uh, is one of the more experienced investing teams in the cannabis industry. I mean, Emily Morgan and I met at an investor event in uh, January of 2014. And, uh, what I'd say about Emily and Morgan and the entire team, including Colin and Tyler and Andreas, is that uh, we're uh, rabid students of the industry, consuming information um, as much as possible, right? Uh, you know, like what I did going out and having 30-minute calls with 25, 30 different venture capital investors to try to understand from the bottoms up what's actually happening in this industry, right? You know, because... There's a lot of private information out there that people aren't privy to, right? About companies and founders and teams and deals and trends that, uh, you know, maybe the market, the market picks up in a couple of weeks, a couple of months. But we try to be on the, the sort of tip, tip, the pointy end of the spear in this industry and understand what's happening on the ground in New Jersey, what's happening on the ground in New York, where are wholesale prices trending in California from the front lines. Not from, you know, the, the, was it the, the, the 19th hole, right? You know, like we're not, we're not, we're very active and engaged on every day. And, and I, I think, um, you know, for me, that's, that's an important distinction. Mm-hmm. A couple of interesting comments in the chat here before we wrap up, um, you know, from born to be free from what I've seen, these guys that need to vote are are cheap. We need better lobbyists in the industry. And that does reference an interesting point uh, somebody made to me the other day is, you know, this is really the first year that they paid for anything, they being the cannabis industry. And they put some $5 million toward lobbying. Um, I'm curious what your perception of that is, perspective. You know, I think you can't change, you know, if, if the engine's broken, turning, turning the key is not going to start it. Right. So you have to figure out different ways to move that car. You got to get behind it, push it, get it up on a hill, push it downhill. You got you to <laughs> figure out a different way to do it. And I, you know, I, I, um, I applaud all the uh, industry advocates and the lobbyists, um, but we are struggling to make real movement, even with, uh, you know, elected officials in office that should be on our side and getting it done for us. So the definition of insanity, keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. 
Um, I think there's a conversations going on um, in the industry about how to get things done differently um, and or just put your heads down, focus on changing adult use in 10 new 10 states over the next three years, change the balance of Congress, congressmen and women coming from adult use legal states from 45 to 67 and a half percent. And so you instead of trying to hit it head on, you come at from the side. You know, think of different ways to get it. So you actually see the state level as uh, a really, that should be the focus point uh, of industry, of the industry at the moment, because the federal one, as you said, is a bit played out. Yeah, we're not getting any movement going direct in D.C. So I think that, you know, any strategist needs to think about alternatives. And that's why I talked about executive branch, legislative branch, judicial branch. You know, consider all our options there. Consider all the legal strategies um, think about putting, you know, pressure on the representatives at the states to push change in D.C. This is not a new strategy, but there's a real thinking around getting to a majority there. Um, but, you know, in the interim, uh, you know, there's incredible investing opportunities. This industry is being valued at bargain basement prices. Um, and frankly, as a fund manager and what I heard from the other fund managers I spoke to, is that they're, they have conviction, they're just being cautious. And, and frankly, there was a run up in asset values across the board over the last two, three years um, into sort of the nosebleed, you know, region, 100 times sales, you know, for some of these private technology companies, investment rounds, all the unicorns, we had unicorns birthing unicorns, birthing unicorns, right? Um, and, and that doesn't play out. Uh, two exits, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, the, you've got to look at who the acquirers are, what they're willing to pay, and that's what companies should be valued at. And the same thing can be said for investors. So I think there's there's a probably a healthy correction coming to the industry. There will be fewer participants. The noise level will go down, and the signal will strengthen with who the best operators are. And coming out of this, I think you know, this is going to be a stronger industry than we've ever seen before. Very, very interesting. I got one last one to close it up. Uh, I know you're a very international man and not just because of the map behind you, right? I, I, we've spoken about this many times over the years. Um, but let's walk through the map behind you. If you, if you, we, we got to do a rapid fire thing here, but what are five international markets that you're excited about and why? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, well, Germany keeps pushing it out, right? But that's a big, mm -hmm. that's a big country, big population. So I think there's going to be opportunities there just because of its size. You know, I think the UK is coming around. Um, you know, European investments have been very high, very, very high prices, right? It almost feels like Canada uh, when it was at its peak, right? A um, lot of local investors, not a lot of experience, money flowing into these deals at valuations that are, you know, very excessive. So, you know, I look to those two markets as being interesting. You know, out, outside of that, I think Mexico has a lot of potential. I think there could be a lot of done, a good done there. Um, but after that, you know, Avi, I, 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 it gets a little tough. I'll be honest with you. I'd be interested in what your thoughts are. I hear we should be looking more towards Western Europe here soon. A little bit more south than UK, though, in Spain. Hmm. 
interesting, interesting thing to watch apparently in the next couple months. But with yeah. that being said, uh, Javi, you get one market, and then then we got to wrap up. Nope, he's no, good. it's all good, man. <laughs> I, I'm good. I'm I'm gonna go check out Spain though. Uh, we'll be there uh, for Spanibus and uh, ICBC. If you're around, drop me a note at Javier Hase on every social network. I would love to meet up. Uh, now what you're up to, and of course, you know, figure out a little bit more about what is going on in the European markets. Um, I hear very, very uh, diverse opinions. Some say it's nowhere near the level of maturity of, of North America or even Latin America. Others say it's a market that's been around for 20, 30 years, depending on, on the location. They know what they're doing. Others say it's like, you know, this is a market for CBD. Others say it's very medical. Uh, others are betting on Portugal as an exporter for the rest of, of Europe. Others are betting on Spain. Others are betting on Barcelona, which is currently the largest producer of indoor cannabis in all of Europe, you know, mm-hmm. illicitly or in a gray area, you know, supplying all of all of Europe. If you ask me, I think there's more potential in Albania, which has always been the number one provider of cannabis for all of Europe, not indoor, but generally, right? So there is there are many aspects of this to to look into, but um, I'm very excited to go check out what's going on in Barcelona. Apparently, I need to go find a job in Albania, <laughs> is what I'm hearing there. But Patrick, give us one line, man. What What is one thing you came away with? Uh, when it comes to your conversation with these investors, with how you're looking at the industry, with how they're looking at the industry in 2023, just give us one thing that you're looking to. You know, the public markets and the private markets are getting in sync. You know, the MSOs are, there's a lot of change in the C-suites at MSOs, right? And that change slows things down, which sometimes an overheated market needs. Right. And so decisions happen slower. Companies get new clients and grow slower. And that forces change that is, you know, frankly, it's needed. So um, I think, again, you know, the investors that I spoke to have conviction. They're just proceeding with new caution and they are looking to the publicly traded companies, the MSOs, the the larger single state operators as indicators uh, for what is to come. and, you know, I think that in this time, those companies that can survive to the other side of whatever we're going through are going to be winners. Um, they will prove themselves coming through the fire out to the other side. Very interesting. Patrick Rea, Poseidon Asset Management, Poseidon Garden Ventures. Thank you, as always, my friend, for joining us. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for having me. All right. Very interesting interview. Really, really interesting mm-hmm. what he said there. At the end, it seems to me if they're looking to those kind of public MSOs, right? You know, those those larger multi-state operators, perhaps they're going to be looking at um, similar private businesses. Since these are private mm-hmm. investors that invest in private companies, maybe they're looking at SSOs and looking at those who control their own supply chain at the moment still. So, uh, an interesting an interesting thought. Um, obviously, that's just my opinion from oh, what yeah. he said. No, no, this is one of my, my, my favorite types of conversation uh, on the last show. You saw me very excited with fun stuff, right? Whether it was Joan Soda or the the week, uh, the week the show before that, it was Miss Grass and their design, right? I nerd out for fun stuff. The other, the other thing that I find really engaging, really interesting, and that I'm most interested about personally is speaking to investors and analysts, right? Going 
deep into the into into the business and deep into the financial aspect of the industry and understanding what's going on, right? And understanding it from someone who who knows more than I do. Um, uh, Nobody knows more than Javier Jase. Get out of here with this blasphemy! What are you talking about? Oh, I am offended. I don't know what you just said that. My, you were so, yeah, so, so many people know so much more than I do. Yeah, okay. Uh, she engage it in the I, chat. I have to pretend I am understanding what they're yeah. saying. Well, a, a couple, a couple. Of thank you, Change Agent, Born to Be Free, and everybody who's in the chat today. Thank you, as always, for participating. Uh, Born to Be Free. You know, are you talking about Tilray, the alcohol company, or Tilray, the cannabis company? Undecided. Uh, uh, overall, I think Tilray as a company is just fine. Uh, but when it comes to their cannabis side, I, I, you know, they are going down. They they are not flat, and they're not up and to the right. But they are not necessarily flailing uh, as many of their competitors are. Business? Their cucumber business. I mean, that's just for the cocktails that they're producing on the alcohol side, right? Um, hey, you get a good gin, good gin, gin cucumber yep. juice with some Saint Germain in there, some black pepper on top. Oh my god! Ah, yes, give me that okay. cocktail all day. Bye. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm getting thirsty. Please. Uh, with that said, y'all, change agent. Thank you for the insights on um, the election. That's actually really cool for us to know. Um, drop in your insights, y'all. Email us cannabishowerbenzinga.com if you think we should know and or cover something. Uh, it's always helpful. We want to bring the best content to you. But that said, bzcannabis.com. There is now a QR code in the top right of our screen if you're watching this on YouTube, Twitter, or LinkedIn. You can go and get your tickets, and that leads you to a discount code for the event. So just scan nice. that QR code. That And as always, benzinga.com slash cannabis throughout the day for all of your cannabis news from Javier and his team. That's it for me. It was a good show, man. I'm glad we got Patrick on. Great conversation. Yes, sir. Let's wrap it up. See you all on Thursday. Thursday, y'all. Peace.